The name's Bond. James Bond. From the Mid-South Van Studio in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production presents Under the Water Tower, sponsored by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Biglane and Matt Crane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. As you can see, we have a tribute this morning to the late Sean Connery with a little James Bond intro. Saw that passing over the weekend. Just a sad thing. Grew up watching him in many different films and uh, just a, you know, sad to see another legend go in 2020. Uh, 2020 has been that kind of year, seems like, between the coronavirus and murder hornets and so forth. Some of our favorite musical acts and actors uh, going in 2020 as well. So he was just awesome. I mean, like we were joking around off of air, maybe maybe the person that you know your mom would leave your dad for, Sean Connery. Oh, no, yeah, definitely a hall pass. I think that <laughs> all, all the James Bond movies, I was kind of you know looking through them. I think from What's Your With Love? Well, it was one of my favorite. Of course, everybody says Goldfinger and that sort of thing, but I really like From Russia with Love. Uh, and then, of course, you know, later on, you had Untouchables, Indiana Jones's dad, The right. Last Crusade. Anyway, but I, I just, you know, just again, sad to see, you know, but of course, you know, he was 90 years old, and this was not a COVID related death. And he was uh, in the Bahamas, died in his sleep. I don't oh, know if you could do it any cooler no, than that's that. Not, that. That's him right there. <laughs> Just a just a great legend, but again, we uh, just heard about the passing. I wanted to give you a little uh, tribute there with the, the opening. So, you know, speaking of James Bond missions, if you want to go on a real estate mission, uh, Team Couch is the way to go. Podcast brought to you by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group, located right here in Hernando. Team Couch possesses over 55 years of real estate experience. They've been in business together for 13 years and have absolutely dominated the DeSoto County real estate market for the last 10 putting up record numbers each and every year. So if you're looking to sell or buy residential real estate in DeSoto County, look no further than Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. You can find them at 662-449-1700, 662-449-1700, or www.teamcouch.com. That's teamcouch.com for the number one real estate team in DeSoto County. Podcast recorded each and every Tuesday and Friday morning. I'm sorry, this week it'll be Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning from the Mobile Car and Van Rental Studios in Hernando at the corner of McCracken and Commerce. Mobile Car and Van Rental can help you with van rentals, truck rentals, car rentals, anything for body shop needs or car repairs or even a family trip. We'd love to help you out. Just call us at 662-469-4555. That's 662-469-4555. And remember, just because your insurance company says you have to use Hertz or Enterprise, that simply is not true. You can use any car rental place you'd like. So Hernando residents, please stop driving to South Haven or Memphis to the airport to rent a car. We have cars right here in Hernando at 662-469-4555. So now how was your Halloween night? You know, Derek, it was good. My Halloween night consisted of literally walking to your house, just four, four houses down from our house, and uh, set up shop with you and, and, and your wife. Uh, enjoyed the trick-or-treaters uh, and everything. I know we joked about it on Friday about trick-or-treating stopping at 8 o'clock, but that was right around the time it kind of started to die down. I think, I think I had the last trick-or-treater came by uh, as, we, you know, as we were outside front yard with the fire pit. So they could keep them, you know, kind of coming from to the house or in, you know into the kind of small narrow doorway. And I think the last one was around eight forty-five. Eight forty-five was when, was when okay. it ended. Uh, you know, there was kind of now after eight. You're right; it kind of slowed down, but we were still getting small groups from eight to about eight forty-five. Right. When the trick or treaters incorporate their own chest hair into the costume, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> that's when it's time to wrap up. Okay, we had 
We had yeah, we had a a twenty year old like Captain America type person. We then we had another guy who was well above twenty that was Puff the Magic Dragon. Yes, came up. So it, it got weird uh, when they have the the pillowcases and or just their hand being held out. You know, asking for a candy no bag. It's about time to shut it down. Yeah, trick or treating is definitely for uh, about eighth grade and younger. Yeah, about I would say max eighth grade. Yeah, I would say when you turn to be a teenager, when when you turn into a teenager, you start to you know thinking you're too cool or don't want to go or anything well, like yeah, that. Yeah, for parties, so, maybe you know other things right. like that. So other things to do. So that I mean that's that was Halloween and then uh, church on Sunday and and stuff like that. Football and everything on. Yeah, just a beautiful weekend. Oh, perfect weather. Perfect. I hope weather. everybody got out to enjoy it. Hope everybody had a safe and, and happy Halloween uh, and ready to start a um, an interesting week. Very interesting week, Derek. I Absolutely. Uh, tomorrow, we're recording this right now, Monday, November 2nd, uh, at the Mobile Car and Van Rural Studio, uh, visiting about this, recording this show early in the morning. And Derek, tomorrow's election day. It's going to be a very interesting day in our country. Um, we could talk about politics all day long, but it's a wonderful day regardless because it's a day for democracy to uh, to, to win, democracy to be utilized the way it's supposed to be utilized. Uh, I think it's going to be an amazing week uh, for sure. Uh, Derek, tell us a little bit more about what we've got going on. There's some things about polling places and the election for here in DeSoto County. Give us an update on that. Yeah, you know, we talked Friday about the ballot itself, and so we're not going to go into detail. But there are a few, a couple things. Want to make sure everybody is, is aware of for tomorrow. The uh, absentee balance so far for DeSoto County, 9,798. This is as of October 25th, the last time they had a count. 9,798. That's higher than the 8,000 total last election. So the absentee ballot ended on the 31st. That stopped on Saturday, as we talked about Halloween, was the last day that you could absentee ballot uh, in person. Now, mail-in absentee ballots can still be sent in. Must be postmarked by tomorrow, November 3rd, received before November 10th. So it has to be postmarked by tomorrow, received before uh, November 10th. Those are absentee ballots, uh, mailed in absentee ballots in Mississippi. Also, the Secretary of State, Michael Watson, required that polling places uh, have curbside voting options. This is for, you know, if somebody gets COVID today, found out yesterday that they had, you know, COVID and quarantined 10 days, that, you know, obviously they missed the the chance to absentee vote uh, on the 31st because they thought they were going to vote in person. Well, now they have the option of curbside voting. When, when was this decided? Uh, this was decided within uh, probably earlier in October. Okay, uh, so in the last been, three or four weeks. Okay. It's, it's been talked about but this is just making he wanted to make sure hey look it's required so if you if you're sick uh when you pull up you need to ask for a ballot you know what i want you to get now especially if well, who, you do you, who do you ask how do you ask what do you do they're supposed to when you pull up there's supposed to be somebody outside that'll have now there'll also probably be tons of people waving signs and there may be pretty hey look where do i go to get a curbside oh right over here because i'm sure they're going to want you to do right. it but there is supposed to be again there's not really given i think every place can do it their own way but they have to have the option to curbside ballot i mean to curbside vote that's pretty interesting that again these nice people that are poll workers mm-hmm. they, they they're trying to do their civic duty and and be poll workers and something they've done for years and now they're having to deal with covid19 issues at the at the ballot box and stuff like that it's, it's just you know it's just amazing it's it's 2020 big time right there just uh, I mean, if you're if you're a line jumper, that might be the way to go. Is <laughs> I'm not playing lightly, but if you if you hate waiting in lines, that may be the way to go. Well, also speaking of waiting lines, Matt, masks are not required. Masks are, Mask not, are not required. Okay. Now, again, you could say, well, in DeSoto County, they're required because it's probably going to be more than 50 people. That may or may not be true, but you know, inside or 10, of course, 10 inside, 50 out. But according to the state, masks are not required to vote 
but highly recommended. Just thinking about that, what they're doing is just saying, hey, we're not going to make you wear a mask. To, so there's no way to be able to say you're suppressing the vote in any way. Yeah, and I think that they've seen other things that have been happening in right. some of the uh, states that have uh, in-person early voting, which we do not, uh, that you know, a lot of people have been saying, well, you're not letting me in. You're, you're you know, taking away my right because I'm a, you know, I don't want to wear a mask. So they're kind of trying to avoid that, saying, no, you don't, you're not required. They have to let you in if you don't have a mask on. But we highly recommend it to right. you know, prevent the spread. Well, and most people are. I mean, you know, that's just what most people are doing. But again, we, we said it here a million times, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, but don't give people a hard time either way. So again, just please get out and vote tomorrow, November 3rd. If you haven't already, uh, those are your options. You can mail it in an absentee, but of course you have to have a reason, meaning basically you're probably leaving today <laughs> to right. go somewhere. Uh, you can do curbside ballot if you are sick. Uh, please you know, uh, ask for the curbside ballot option. And then if, if not, of course, seven to seven on the polls uh, at your normal polling places, wherever that would be for federal elections. So hopefully, depending on where you live in the county, you know where that is. Now, remember, city elections, you have a different place to vote. But these are the federal or state elections. This is where you would go to during those times. Speaking of election, Derek had an opportunity to sit down on Tuesday with the mayor of South Haven. We did. We talked about Friday, the ballot and the election coming up. And then we had Mayor Musselwhite uh, interviewed last Thursday. I think he sat down with him last Thursday. Uh, he actually talks about the upcoming spring election. Uh, he makes a, basically an announcement uh, during the interview. And so hope that you'll tune in and listen, and we'll go on to the interview now. Mr. Mayor, we appreciate you coming in this morning. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Under the Water Tower is, is really a county-based show. Uh, we want to shine a light on, on the Hernandos and the South Haven and Olive Branch and Horn Lake, all the wonderful things going on in DeSoto County. So we certainly appreciate you coming in and speaking about South Haven for a few minutes. What I like to do with the people I interview before we start talking about the South Havens or the, the government politics of everything, where were you born and raised? Born in Memphis, uh, raised in South Haven. So just a South Haven guy. Uh, and When? Mid 80s, uh, '80s. Well, I mean, I was born in uh, late '60s. Uh, you know, Memphis. My parents moved to South Haven when I was a young child. I uh, grew up in South Haven. '70s. Grew, uh, graduated high school, South Haven High School in '85. Uh, went away for a few years, uh, and then came back in '92. Uh, and I've been back in South Haven since '92. I got you. We have a question right here on the on the podcast. We struggle with what a charger is. Is that is it an actual person or lightning bolt? We struggle with that. <laughs> I don't think we ever knew back then or cared. It was just it was what we had and. Uh, we were just uh, bleeding orange and blue, regardless of what you called it. Yeah, and last week we, we broke down some of the games, and the Grenada Chargers played, Lake Comrade, South Haven played, and Oxford played. So we joked around that there were three Chargers on our little board there that we put all our games on. So we're trying to figure out what exactly what a Charger was. So we graduated from South Haven in 85, like you said, went away for a little while, uh, came back in 92. You were involved in insurance for, for 20 years. Uh, before you got into to be the mayor of South Haven, uh, insurance that some is business or insurance was that a passion of yours that you like or how did you get into that business? Well, you know, I got a finance degree at Ole Miss and you know had plans after my sports career to go into the banking industry, and was approached um, when I was a minor league baseball player. I was approached by a gentleman that was expanding uh, insurance agencies in South Haven. And so I had the opportunity to come back and have my own agency at a young age. So I was attracted to that. And uh, so never had plans of going into insurance, but um, but it turned out to be a great career for me and uh, still in business. I still have an independent uh, business called Muscle & Michael in South Haven. So I uh, love the insurance business, love my clients, you know, love serving. Uh, you know, the insurance business taught me a lot, you know, prepared me a lot for my current role, the city now. So great career. I've enjoyed insurance. Well, insurance is such a service-minded organization or, or business you know it has to be um to serve your clients and their needs and so forth so i could see where that could shape you for for your current position but let's circle back you did say the word minor league baseball 
Okay. So athletic sports, that was just something that was very important to you growing up as a kid? Uh, it was my life. You know, I started playing sports at a very young age. You know, South Haven had tremendously strong uh, youth booster clubs when I was a kid. And so I started playing baseball. Even before organized baseball, I lived in a neighborhood where I was one of the youngest kids. And so I was the last kid picked, um, but that made me a better player. But uh, no, baseball, football, basketball, you know, that's what we did back then. And uh, so I spent my whole life doing that. Uh, and then obviously got the chance, you know, to, um, you know, have my college paid for and got a, got the chance to play a few years uh, professional baseball too. Where'd you go to college? I, I didn't think we talked about that. Where'd you go to school? Um, Ole play Miss. Baseball? Yeah. I went and played, ba- played baseball at Ole Miss? I did, yeah. Oh, wow. Then that's before they had the nice new stadium and all that kind of stuff. Actually, I'll give you some useless trivia. Go ahead, please. Uh, I played at Old Swayze for three sure. years, and I threw the first pitch in the new stadium oh, in 1989. Wow. What a, and, it, and now the new stadium looks completely different compared to what you would have played in. It does. It was the, it was the state of the art. It was sure. the nicest facility. Uh, when it was built in 89, it was considered one of the nicest facilities in the country. And obviously, uh, Coach Bianco and you know, the program have gone to different heights since then. They've improved it. I think the stadium has been you know, renovated you know, two or three sure. times. So it definitely is better than it was then. Uh, but it was, it was a great stadium then. We were, we were certainly proud to have it. And I was blessed to play one season in it. So that would have been high school, finished high school in 85, maybe 86 to 89, played college baseball. Correct, exactly. Correct. Uh, minor league baseball, uh, for sports fans that are listening to the UTW podcast today, was minor league baseball from 89 to 92, I believe, something like that, was it what it was like in like Bore Durham? I mean, you guys were on a bad a bad bus and all that kind of stuff. It's funny you say that when people ask me about sure. it. Uh, of all the baseball movies that have been made, I still say Bull Durham is the most accurate depiction of what minor league baseball right. is about. Right. I grew up playing baseball and stuff. I'm a little bit younger than you. I graduated high school in 96, but I grew up in a time where LSU, 91 championship, 93 championship, 96. I mean, LSU was yes. the king of baseball, especially in the state of Louisiana. I mean, that's all we, we dreamed of was playing at Alex Box Stadium, you know, and, and stuff like that. So I can imagine uh, a little story for me I tell all the time. I, I went and played baseball at a small school in, in Alabama, started practice on maybe a Monday, Called my dad and said, "Hey, Dad, I think I can. Uh, I think I could do this. I think I'm just as good as these other guys." Well, the real third baseman had been in the Cape Cod League, and he got there on Friday. <laughs> okay. And so when he got there on Friday, I called my dad that night and I said, "Hey, that, that, that's what a real baseball player looks like." Yeah. I may need to look into other plans. So I was at <laughs> Ole Miss uh, the following January, but uh, you know, kind of an eye-opening experience to me to just be like, "Oh, I don't know if I'm ever going to be that." that good uh, yeah. that place do you have a particular story or something like that from a college baseball standpoint that just stands out to you uh did, i mean you said you were a pitcher can you recall a time where you were you can just think to yourself oh man i served up something and he hit it a long way or something like that a play that stands out to you absolutely i was blessed to play in the sec played against a lot of great players sure. i faced frank thomas wow you know who's a major league hall of famer uh, played against albert bell who's a you know 50 home run guy in the big leagues um, so I had definitely got my feelings hurt many times as a pitcher, um, but did have some great moments. You know, won 10 games in, in 88, had a chance to break the uh, single season record for wins in a season. I was a career 20 game winner, you know, at Ole Miss. So I had a, I was, it was a great career. It was fun. One of my college claims to fame would have been in uh, my freshman year. You mentioned LSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my first SEC starts was against LSU. And so you can imagine uh, the older teammates were like, hey, man, sorry about your luck. You know, you got number three ranked team in the country sure. the first game. Uh, but I threw a four hit uh, shutout against LSU and struck out Albert Bell three times. So, uh, I guess, you know, be, being a middle-aged mayor, I can still look back and sure. remember the days where I actually was an athlete. I always found like when I was growing up, or certainly now paying attention to our kids playing, kind of sometimes you can rise to the to the occasion. 
Uh, that's what we all want our kids to do, yes. definitely. So, like you said, they were saying, oh, good luck. You know, we're going to strike this as an L. And you were like, well, let me see what I can do. And, and it came together for you. So, yes. um, congratulations on that. That's pretty yeah, neat. A good you, memory. Yeah, you and I could talk a lot uh, about that off <laughs> air. But, you know, let's move forward into the city of South Haven. So, politics, um, uh, running for mayor, being a leader, is that something that you feel like has always been a part of your life, the, you know, leadership? I do, and I'm one that believes that um, leaders are born. They're not made. And I didn't choose a lot of the past that uh, I think that some of the past that I went through with my sports career and, you know, with the insurance business and then, you know, leading up to being mayor, I think that, that it was part of a plan and uh, being a leader, a lot of those things, as I mentioned earlier, prep you for that. And there's nothing better that preps you for leadership than sports. Sure. And so my career, you know, in sports, I was a high school quarterback. I love those days. And, uh, you know, just, you know, just being in that huddle and, uh, leading your team down the field, same thing, being the man, letting your team get on your back as a pitcher. You know, that's leadership. And uh, it's, it's crazy as it sounds. Uh, it's it's like that, you know, being leading the city, you know, yeah, just sure. knowing that you got to be the man, you got to you got to step up, you, you got to do the, the tough job and right. you got to lead your team through tough times. So uh, without a doubt, I think that, you know, sports definitely prepared me for my role today as mayor. Watching you uh, sitting across from me and visiting uh, about this, that makes total sense. Like you said, the, the person who walks into the huddle and says, all right, guys, here we go. Mm-hmm. And that's what a city, that's what a mayor uh, is, is to do each and every day. Yes. Because uh, it comes from the top down. Uh, morale uh, is definitely important, uh, as crazy as that sounds, in the city community. You're the beacon that goes out into uh, – North Mississippi and Jackson, Mississippi, and even into the Mid-South to talk about South Haven. And let's visit a little bit more about South Haven. Um, so you were um, elected in, in 2013, right? Is it 2013 or 12? 13. And 13. Took office June 28, 2013. Tell us about that. What was a, what was a campaign situation like? Obviously, campaign is a big thing uh, coming out tomorrow. Uh, this show's airing on Monday, the day before uh, arguably the largest election, one of the largest elections, of course, in, in, in America's history. W- campaigning, what was that like for you? Campaigns are gut-wrenching. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a thing that, um, you know, doing the job is one thing. Going through a campaign is a totally different thing. Uh, in 2013, I'd never run for public office before. So it was something that we did a lot of learning on the fly and uh, had a lot of advisors uh, some good, some not so good. But in, in a campaign, you eventually learn that, that the best person to make decisions for your campaign is you. And so, fortunately, we did some things right in 13, and it worked out for us. So what are some things that, that made you step into, like you said, you never run for a political campaign. You were a business owner in the area. What, what were some things that the quarterback was coming into the huddle now and said, all right, I, I'm going to take over as, as my team, per se? And what, what were some things that you were like, hey, they've been good, but we need to make some changes and be better in South Haven? Do you have any, anything in particular? The main thing that uh, brought me into the picture was South Haven had some troubles, you know, had some – uh, investigations. Sure. Uh, there were some allegations of improprieties. Right. And so um, I think the biggest thing that South Haven needed in 13 is we needed our, we needed trust back. You yes. know, our people needed to be able to trust our government again. And so that's what birthed the idea. But to be very honest with you and candid with you, uh, I never had aspirations to go into politics. And I know that I'm not the first elected official to say that, but it, but it, in my case, it's true. And so how it all began is uh, when all the trouble was going on, there were people that came to me and said, um, hey, we think with your skill set and your history here and, and your trustworthiness that you could really help the city. Well, the first time they said that, I said, hey, you can just back up and get out of here. I said, no way. I'm not, you know, I'm not putting myself through that and my family through that. And so it started like that and then uh, went on for a, a period of about three, four weeks 
and I didn't get into the race until the day before the deadline. Mm. And so we did a lot of thinking and praying about it as a family. And uh, basically what uh, I actually told my wife, we had a, the last week, we, I said, we got to make a decision what we're going to do. And so I actually told her that uh, I think I'm not going to do this. I just think it's best that we not. And when my wife said, I think you need to rethink that, that made my decision. When your wife's behind you, you can tackle the world. When That's she's right. the one that has confidence in you, I mean, you can, you really feel like you can tackle the world and take anything on if she's behind you. So that's a very interesting story that she said, eh, maybe let's rethink that. Um, but I agree with you in 13. I had a business in South Haven, and you're right. Trust was the, the, the major issue there. I'm going to challenge you on something real quick. You said, I, I never thought I'd get into politics. Well, people called you into leadership. Sadly, politics nowadays is called, you know, leadership gets overshadowed by what people say politics. But it was time for you to, a, a city you loved, South Haven, where you were born and raised, to move into a leadership position to be like, hey, let's push this forward uh, into the positive thing. So congratulations on that for digging deep in yourself and doing that. Because leadership is something that we talk about on the podcast a lot. And there's so many opportunities, I feel like, where, where kids today aren't shown leadership uh, in the in the right way. Um, and my daughter's 16 years old, and I encourage her to be a leader uh, all the time and stuff. I, I joked around two weeks ago with Corey that in today's world, though, when a, a young lady starts to become a leader, there's other words that she may get called. So, you know, it's tough for her, uh, females, to kind of move into that role. But that's definitely – so congratulations on that for you to not see yourself as a politician – but you've always seen yourself as a leader, and that's how I think they, the, the city sees you now. Well, I appreciate you saying that, and, and that's what it has been for me. Um, I know that when you become an elected official, there's always going to be some that view you as a uh, the dirty word, a politician, but I'm truly not, and I've tried you know, during the seven and a half years that I've led the city of South Haven, I've tried to truly be that, be a leader and try to make decisions that, you know, we're going to, uh, when I'm long gone this that I'm going to know made the city a better place so but I do appreciate you saying that because that's what it's um, been for me sure I mean leadership is, is I think a, there's a huge void of that sometimes especially in in national politics that we watch each and every day I mean you know the media reminds us of that quite a bit so the thing about South Haven for you is that we hear it all the time in DeSoto County a gentleman here we had an opportunity to interview Mr. Judge Percy Lynchard who's running for uh, a seat here uh, on the Supreme Court and and he told me when he or he told Derek our my partner that when he came to uh, Hernando's, maybe 1,500 people. You came into office in a, a booming city and still still reside in and are the mayor for a booming city. So you kind of came into growth, and it's a matter of taking that growth and continued growth. How has that been over the last seven years for you? In the first years, you know, like we mentioned earlier, I had the job of taking what was pending at that time. And so, you know, mainly my first or at least the first half of my first term uh, was taking care of current problems or either current pending developments, right, sure. that kind of thing. And so I come in knowing, and one of my favorite uh, comments then is I told the people I would take us to a new plateau. And uh, I certainly am not the one, you know, that takes credit for the success of our city. Our city was very successful sure. before 2013. I give much credit to my predecessors. Uh, however, I, I did want to... Um, uh, again, restore trust initially, take care of pending business. But then in my second term, I've been able to get into the things that I see that I think are great for our city. And there are many things that, even though our city is good, I thought we could do better. And so I think in my second term, we've been able to see the results of my plan and my work. So that's been very rewarding to see things 
you know, become real, you know, that you wanted to see happen. One of those things that uh, Derek and I have talked about quite a bit, I mentioned to you, Derek's children go to North Point, so he's up and down Getwell Road every single week, is the Silo Square development. I really, uh, I, I have a commercial real estate license, and I've paid attention to development over the last 12, 18 months, and I, I just feel like that's a heck of a good project, or a very neat project for Central DeSoto County, and, and South Haven especially. Tell us a little bit more about that, when, when you first found out about that project, and how involved you may have been to, to get it to where it is now. I give Brian Hill all the credit he's the man that stepped up with the money to make it happen and he's done a a fantastic job with it and like you said you know his uh, his plan is coming together it's it's really developing now he's got a lot of things going Brian and I have had many discussions about it and this is one of the things that in 2013 when I was asked specifically how I think our city could be better one of the things I said is I felt like we were lacking in entertainment options and I know when I was, uh, you know, came home from baseball, I was in my mid-20s, you know, single. There was no place, nothing to do. There was no place for a person in their late 20s to live in South Haven back then. So I think that that market has, has tremendous potential, you know, to bring entertainment value to the city. So the term that I used is I wanted to see there be a Snowden Square in South Haven, similar to Overton Square in Memphis. Right, sure. You know, where you go, it's a walkable area. There's, uh, you can live nearby. You can go to many restaurants. Uh, there are sports bars, things like that, where on a Saturday afternoon you can go watch college football. So that was part of my vision for the city and changing it. And uh, Brian and I shared the same vision. And so he stepped up again with the money, and he's done a, a fantastic job. So I think Silo Square uh, is going to forever change not only our city but our county. We've never had a an area like that that will be a – this will be a truly uh, truly be a destination point where someone comes from out of town, gets a hotel room there, spends the weekend there, shops, goes to, uh, you know, the restaurants, uh, has Snowden Grove Park across the way, uh, maybe go to a concert on a Thursday night and spend Friday uh, in the city. So I think this is a development like we've never seen in South Haven and DeSoto County before. And uh, I'm extremely excited about it, and it's it's becoming real. So what yeah, I envision, <laughs> yeah, what I envision for years, uh, Brian has made that happen. One of the things we talked about last week, I believe, was the the, the new bridge that potentially could be uh, built, uh, completed in 21, late 21, maybe. 21. Is that the goal? That the goal? Uh, what a beautiful and please look for the renderings. Uh, we've linked it here on our website. We'll do it again. Uh, look for the renderings. Just a a, a beautiful opportunity like you said to to bridge uh, the Stone Grove Amphitheater and Stone Grove Baseball Park and soon to be soccer fields uh, which we'll discuss in a second to the Stone Grove area which hopefully in the next five years will have a couple of hotels uh, those type things and, and so forth so and t- tell us a little bit more about that how did that come to a point was that always something that y'all wanted to do or did the did MDOT or somebody come to you and say hey for safety reasons let's talk this about this the bridge concept kind of evolved over a period of a, a few years. So there was not one day when we said, hey, let's build this big bridge. Sure. And so I give credit to our planning director, Whitney Cook. Uh, she and I were talking one day, and there used to be an old uh, rail bridge that Whitney had. Uh, the city got access to this, and I can't recall how we had it, but it was stored at Central Park. And Whitney had this vision that maybe we would put this bridge at a city entrance just to give us a grand entrance to the city. So that was part of it. Uh, but the bridge sat there and rusted for years, sure. and we, you know, unfortunately didn't do anything with it. Eventually, we gave that to Hernando, by the way, okay. and they've done great things with it. Uh, so that that was a discussion that went on. But then what really, you know, kind of drilled it down for us is we started realizing the, the traffic and pedestrian situation we were going to have you know, it's uh, at Silo Square and also Snowgrove Park, and we're going to have to spend money to put traffic signals at May Boulevard. So 
we started thinking about that combined with the fact that we had two major multi-use trails that were pending. Right. One one that's under construction now going from Central Park to Snowden down to Lahoma. Basically, it's a 10-foot multi-use trail exactly, yeah. that goes south, come out of Central Park and go south on Tullahoma, and then it'll connect with May Boulevard. Well, then um, earlier this year, we completed another uh, project that added a multi-use trail in Snowden Grove Park. Okay. And, uh, it's, it's a fantastic uh, trail being used by many citizens now. Our vision was to connect those two. And I know Brian Hill had in his plan of adding a multi-use trail on May. So with those three trails going, it makes perfect sense that you got to have a way, you know, to get over Getwell. You know, Getwell is going to be one of the heaviest traffic uh, north-south corridors in our county. And so we started thinking about that and then having to spend money for a traffic signal and then with the bridge concept in mind. And so that's that's how the bridge became an idea. And, I, again, I give Whitney credit for that. Uh, I love the idea. Uh, I'm a sales professional. I know about first impressions. Sure. So one of the things uh, with me is that it gives a grand entrance to your Snowden district. And so I truly think the bridge design is going to be iconic for our city. I think that you'll see uh, people all over the United States say, hey, check this bridge out in South Haven, Mississippi. And so it's just a great way to market our city, you know, with a, like I said, with an iconic uh, image, but also it'll it'll have the uh, function of connecting the pedestrian pass and also um, connecting developments on both the east and west side of Getwell, which will further promote development. And then, of course, it's going to help with vehicular traffic congestion, too, because too, you can park once and then walk. First thought I had was that makes total sense to uh, when people are le- leaving the Luke Bryan concert or whatever. It just makes it so much safer just to walk over Getwell. Like you said, it's so such a busy. It's probably arguably the busiest next to 55. It's going to be the busiest north and south in in the uh, the county. So it makes total sense to have that safety uh, aspect to it, but uh, the cosmetic aspect to it. So very good job there. I, I would agree. Uh, I've, I've met Whitney several times, and and good thinking on that on that part. And and I'm sure Brian's. Certainly interested in anything the city wants to be a part of or work on to help grow this Silo Square project. So, again, I, and I've met Brian a couple times and, and just a really neat project. I can't wait to enjoy that project with my family uh, for the next 15, 20, 25 years. I like the idea of it being a destination place for mm-hmm. it. People can go and stay there, and you can you can almost park your car and never leave there for three days if you have a baseball game or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Go back to what we talked about a second ago. I mentioned soccer fields. That project. How many how many fields are there going to be? Do you know offhand? Uh, the con- the new the uh, new complex right, right seven, behind strike zone. Yes, yeah, seven yeah. fields. You know that city has owned that land for a while, and uh, but it, like you said, it's just north of the the bowling alley. Um, but it's underway, almost done. They just sided the fields oh, wow. and it's just been part of our goal to make Snowden Grove Park more than just a baseball park you know we've had tremendous success with our baseball operation but we've tried to diversify the park and give more options for more of our citizens and uh, soccer is a huge thing many sure. kids play soccer and uh, so we can open up so many more opportunities for our kids you know having soccer there as well uh, having it in a central location is also big because you'll draw more people you know from East Memphis from Isla Branch you know from all over the county and the Memphis uh, metro so uh, we're excited about soccer. It's going to be a huge thing, you know, making Snowden more than just a baseball complex. Whenever I first began to see that happening, uh, I mentioned to Derek several years ago that I felt like Snowden, uh, the baseball, was, was the hot thing 20 years ago when they started it or they, they put it together. But then soccer, now that my son plays soccer, I was like, ooh, that's maybe something that they're going to regret. And the next thing you know, they're the fields. And, yeah. and somebody says, oh, those are going to be soccer fields. I was like, oh, I had that thought a couple of years ago. And, and so I think it's going to be really good for the city. But again, like you said, Eastern part of South Haven, so it benefits South Haven, of course, but it's it's so centrally located in DeSoto County uh, for use by all the citizens 
of DeSoto County. Great project, and, and congratulations again on that. Where do, where do you see the city of South Haven? I mean, do you have election in this coming spring? 21. Okay, so 21 you have election. Okay, yes. and you have to announce for that. Obviously, are you planning to run again, continue on as mayor? I haven't officially announced that, but it's um, there, there's no uh, – I'm not into theatrics. I'm going to run again. Okay. And gotcha. Because I, I feel like that I have too, we have too many pending projects and too much unfinished business that I want to see wrapped up. And, you know, when you run, if you run for office for the right reason, sure. it becomes your passion and it becomes your work. Right. And so I can't walk away from my work until it's done. But obviously that's not my choice. The sure. people have to see it that way Understand. too. So. So I hope that the people will see that, you know, that I have taken the city to a to a different place, that um, that all the vital signs of our city are incredible right now. We're having tremendous success. And so I hope the people of the city will see that, and I hope they'll give me a chance to lead for four more years. Good luck with that, for sure. Thank Derek, you. we, we watch the uh, YouTube channels for the, the city of South Haven and also Hernando and so forth. So that's how we pay attention to and keep up with and everything. And one of the comments that Derek uh, mentioned about your, your leadership in the Alderman meetings is, is how much you take command of the room. Uh, and, again, that goes back to what we said 15 minutes ago. Uh, when you walk to that huddle, that's your huddle. Here's the plan. Here's the play. Uh, let's go. Ready, break. And that's what you seem to do every first and third Tuesday of each week. So, again, congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. So, where do you see South Haven? Five years. Do you have any kind of projects that you'd like to shine a light on here on the on, for our listeners? The city of South Haven looks like five years from now or something that's been special to you that um, that is coming together? Certainly. The two, um, as anybody will know, South Haven is um, not far from being built out. And so there's two key areas um, that will be game changers for our city's future, uh, one of which is what we're talking about, the Snowden District with Silo Square. Uh, the other is the uh, we created the Metropolitan District, which is basically Airways, Church Road, I-55. And so that area has tremendous potential. There's some serious prospects. You know, Google just announced. Sure. Uh, Google's coming there. Medline's uh, south on I-55, not far. Uh, but we envision having some type of corporate headquarters there. I go ahead and say it. I mean, I'm, I want Top Golf there. Right, sure. I think it's the ideal place for Top Golf for the Memphis Metro. But there's so much potential in the Metro District. And so I'd love to see that district get going before I check out. Uh, but as far as uh, development, not just that, one of my goals has uh, been to um, make our city more economically attractive overall. And we've spent a lot of time with beautification. Uh, we've spent a lot more money cleaning our streets up, cutting the grass better on the roadsides, uh, you know, the, the monument signs, the bridge, improving the condition of our streets. I just think that we've left our mark on making the city a more attractive place, uh, not only to do business, but to live in general. And so I've still got work to do. I want to finish that. Um, but then the other thing is just knowing that you left, you know, you left the city a better place. Our financial condition, uh, the things that we've done, uh, I give credit to my board. They've been with me and uh, making investments into our city. So there's a lot of things that we've done. We paid debt down and we've used debt wisely. You know, interest rates are extremely low. So we've used debt to uh, leverage our position to put our city in a better financial position. So I think a lot of the things that have happened over the last seven and a half years that you won't see it now. It takes years, sure. but you'll see that we've we put the city in situations where it's going to pay big dividends later. Uh, I would love to see that money uh, used to, um, you know, to step up fire and police. You know, I want to I see more and more police officers on the street. You know, our board uh, just supported a, re a request. Uh, we added six new officers this year. Uh, we want to eventually uh, saturate our streets with more police. I want to take care of our fire department. Like to, I'd love to see the pay scales change for both of them. Regardless of what my future is in politics, um, you can remember me by me saying this. Teachers, policemen, firemen, all EMS responders, they're underpaid. And so I would love to see our economic success, the things that the investments we've made, 
put our city in a financial position where we can be a leader not only in Mississippi but on a national scale and changing things like that. Currently, and I'm just asking, this is a little bit off the – do you do you guys, uh, the mayors of the major cities, the Horn Lakes, Hernandez, do y'all, do y'all get together? Is there a, some type of a group that y'all discuss, get together occasionally to talk about those type things or issues for DeSoto County at large? You know, put aside talking about the city, your particular city, but what's best for the county? Do y'all do that currently? Certainly, we do. There's an organization called the Local Council of Governments, and we meet um, at least one time a month, okay. and it, it consists of all the mayors of the cities, uh, DeSoto County supervisors, and Economic Development Council uh, members will attend those meetings as well. So we talk about all things that uh, that we have in common, you know, that will help DeSoto County thrive as a, as a whole. Well, I appreciate you so much for coming in and visiting with us. Uh, we wish you luck in the election coming up. Uh, we'll we'll certainly pay attention to that. Maybe talk to you in the spring again about the the run and and, and everything. But again, like I tell the listeners, uh, each and every time we're on every Tuesday and Friday, Derek and I live in Hernando, but we're in DeSoto County all the time, and we were everywhere. Uh, had a business in in uh, South Haven for. Uh, uh, well over a decade so uh, I, you you were not mayor when I was there but you were mayor uh, as I left to, to move my businesses and move my uh, move down to Hernando so um, but I really appreciate you coming in and visiting with us talking a little bit about who you are uh, giving us some more of a glimpse into that last question I asked and I said it for Corey Usselton uh, as well um, as we mentioned at least off air we did mention you have children what's your favorite thing about being a dad my favorite thing about being a dad is just um, uh, seeing the smiles on their face trying to introduce them to things that that I enjoy doing and, uh, and I've been blessed with my kids I have three sons so I've been blessed to uh, have spent a lot of time with them on baseball and football fields and and just to see them take the lessons that we learned together you know me obviously as a, as a kid and then me sharing those lessons with them as a coach and then seeing them take that not only on the field but take that into life and uh, it, that's very rewarding cell phones and, and social media have definitely changed parenting for, for yes. all of us but uh, again well, it's a wonderful answer and I really do appreciate you coming in visiting with us uh, we hope that you will be a part of the UTW podcast for a long time and thank you so much for uh, loving DeSoto County loving South Haven and being a good leader for uh, for the, the central city of DeSoto County we really appreciate it I've enjoyed the conversation thanks for having me all right, we want to thank Mayor Muscle White for coming on the show again that was an outstanding interview uh, again, if you skip to this part or you're just picking up the podcast for this part, please go back to about the 1030 mark and listen to the interview. And uh, we just really appreciate him coming on and, and look forward to having him on in the future. Yeah, Mayor Musselwhite was a, a wonderful guest on Thursday uh, when I sat down with him. Just to, you know, Derek, I think a guy you and I would like, really, uh, even off air, uh, just polite and, and friendly. Love the sports stories. We talked for about 20, 25 minutes off air about a number of different things. He had a lot of uh, neat things to say about DeSoto County. Uh, we talked a little bit more about baseball, talked more about being parents uh, and so forth. Just a really good interview. His interview is brought to you by The Print House located at 2462 Church Street. The Print House is your one-stop shop for printing services, whether it's business cards, banners, screen printing for t-shirts, as well as a showroom full of all your vinyl and t-shirt needs, The Print House can help. Whether it's a new logo or marketing plan for your business or a large order of t-shirts, the ladies at The Print House can help. Simply give them a call at 662-298-3105. That's 662-298-3105 or look them up at The Print House ms.com the print house is now located directly behind Thunderbirds pharmacy podcast also brought to you by williams services williams services is a veteran owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care landscaping mulching and more owner richard williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs 
Entering this fall season, the leaves are about to start falling. Williams Services specializes in leaf removal. Give Richard a call at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or find them on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services. Parents, are you considering making a schooling switch either next fall or possibly as soon as the semester break? Is your student getting enough quality interaction with real teachers in a personalized setting? North Point Christian School can help your family make the switch. Mark your calendars for Sunday, November 15th at 2 p.m. North Point will be hosting their first open house of the year. This open house is especially designed for new prospective families with children pre-K 3 and up. NCS is conveniently located in DeSoto County near the intersection of Goodman and Getwell Roads. For nearly 50 years, the school has been delivering a high-quality and affordable private education that is distinctly and unapologetically Christian. Come see why families in three states, 28 cities, and 41 zip codes have made North Point DeSoto County's largest and most desirable Christ-centered college preparatory school. School representatives will be on hand to answer your questions about North Point's distinctive approach to school health and safety, as well as our unmatched academic, athletic, and arts offerings. Reserve your spot today by contacting Director of Admissions, Ms. Sheila Sharon, at 662-349-5127. Again, Ms. Sheila Sharon at 662-349-5127. We want to thank all of our advertisers here on the Under the Water Tower podcast. If you'd like some information about advertising with us on the show as we continue to grow each and every week, you can reach us at underthewatertowerinfo at gmail.com. That's underthewatertowerinfo at gmail.com for an advertising packet on prices and different uh, promotional things that we do. Derek, speaking of open house, let's talk about the Hernando open house. Just a couple of community announcements going on today. Hernando open house will be 9 to 5 on Saturday and Sunday, November November 14th and 15th, right here in Hernando. Let's remember it's going to be all the businesses on the square will be open. Up and down commerce will be open. It's an opportunity for you to get out. I think a lot of times people are, you know, passing cider out and that type mm-hmm. stuff. You know, so it should be, hopefully the weather will be a nice weekend for Hernando Open House, 9 to 5, November 14th through the 15th, right here in town. Yeah, and the thing this year is Dickens of a Christmas. And so, again, just a great time. The Victorian Christmas, they usually have it around the square, so looking forward to that. Speaking of the Hernando Christmas, the Hernando has also announced their Christmas parade. The Christmas parade is officially set. It will be held as of right now, as it always has been. Uh, That will be on Monday, December 7th. And that theme, so again, the theme for the open house, Dickens of a Christmas, theme for the Christmas parade, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. Great song. So uh, this is the theme for this year, Enter a Float. It's $60 for chamber members, $70 for non-chamber members, and the deadline to sign up for a float or a car or whatever you want your entry want you want your entry to be, the deadline is 11-30-20. So November 30th, 2020, the route will be the normal course that they have every year. You know, Derek, this absolutely makes my day right here because the Christmas parade in Hernando is such a tradition now I, I can't even imagine what number it is in a row and so forth and, and I think we should be having it um, we could discuss all the stuff you want to talk to about masks COVID-19 and so forth but this to me is the city doing a really good job and saying no we're going to have this parade so I'm hoping fingers crossed that nothing happens uh, and that we're able to go have this parade uh, you and I've been a part of parade for years uh, it's a really fun time it is a phenomenal time for community spirit I think it'll be a really good opportunity for people to get out just enjoy the parade uh, for what it is it's a it's a wonderful opportunity to get out and do that 
Something else that's a wonderful opportunity here in Hernando, Cookies with Santa. On December 6, 2020, the Hernando Parks and Recreation Department will be putting on Cookies with Santa. Uh, adults and kids 12 and up are $3. Free admission for kids under 12. So adult and kids 12 and up will be $3. That's going to be 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. at the Gale Center. Some of the local uh, sponsors include, include Chick-fil-A South Haven, Stars in Motion, and also Solid Rock Sportsplex in Nesbitt sponsoring this event. So Cookies with Santa, December 6, Hernando. Parks and Rec at the Gale Center 2 to 5. Matt, just exciting. Uh, two weeks from now, we'll have the open house. Then two weeks later, you'll have Thanksgiving. And then a, a week after that, a couple, you'll have the uh, Cookies with Santa followed by the Christmas Parade. Just yep. starting to feel sort of like a normal end of the year. Uh, let's hope that it continues, but really looking forward to that. Now, again, no matter what happens with the election tomorrow, uh, you've got all these things to look forward to here in the county seat. Uh, also, you know, we want to recognize that something's actually happened today. Uh, Center Hill, if you remember, we reported, uh, talked about a few weeks back on the podcast that they were a, the recipient of the Blue Ribbon School for America, basically, for the entire uh, country. Uh, just one of, I think, 30 schools that got it this year. And so we just want to, you know, they're doing that presentation today at 1 p.m. Today at 1 p.m. at Center Hill, probably about the time this podcast is coming out. So uh, we apologize. Uh, you know, we're doing this today. Uh, and so we're trying to get it out around lunchtime. But if uh, you're getting this after the fact, we want to congratulate Center Hill uh, again for their uh, recognition as a blue ribbon school and the high school and just continue to do what you're doing over there, administrators, teachers. But that will be recognized, officially recognized today at 1 p.m. at the school. Yeah, Derek, you and I talk a lot about uh, sports and athletics for, for the DeSoto County High schools but uh, definitely want to shine a light and an opportunity to say congratulations to center hill for being recognized for things happening off the field for sure uh like i said you said or you mentioned before we know an administrator over there and proud of them uh for for representing the east side of desoto county well so congratulations to center hill uh, on the big news uh but this past Friday night, we had a lot going on. A lot of stuff's coming into shape playoff-wise. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. But we're going to turn our attention to sports, Derek. We're going to turn our attention to the pigskin, uh, what happened this past Friday night. Right, and we always start, of course, in Hernando, uh, under the water tower. That's where we're located. That's where we, we broadcast from. And so we want to start with the Oxford Chargers coming to Hernando. Oxford Chargers to Hernando. The Hernando leading 20-13 th- to 13 at halftime. Could not hold on in the second half. Ended up losing the game 37-27. Zach Wilkie had a TD to Reed Flanagan. Uh, had another one to Henry uh, Simon for another TD. Sean Wade had a rushing TD, as did Brody Martin, also had a rushing TD. So, again, great offense by Hernando. Just you know, could not keep uh, uh, Oxford, kind of turn it on, made some adjustments at the half, came on and uh, put it on the 37-27. Yeah, I was at the game, Derek. Uh, you and I were texting back and forth, uh, up 20-13 to 13 at halftime. Really kind of feel like Hernando let the momentum get back in. Uh, you know, Derek, you and I talk on the phone. You and I are very close friends, and we talk a lot about football. And, and I don't mind. I just need to ask you a couple of questions, uh, okay. something we've discussed. Let's say the other team scores a touchdown. There's a 15-yard penalty on said touchdown okay you have kind of grabbed momentum back against the home team you score a touchdown and there is a a 15-yard penalty so you're moved up to the other team's 45-yard line for the kickoff right your kicker will go division one what do you think's coming i'm gonna say it's an onside kick matt onside kick because uh, obviously they're already on your side of the field it has to go 10 yards so you're at least to the 35 even if hernando recovers yep you're at the 30, they're at the 35-yard line, which is not much better than a typical run back for a high school team. Okay, so you have a Division One kicker, a kid who probably could, with a tee, kick it through the upright from the 45-yard line. Okay, right. And so if he does an onside kick and doesn't get it at the 35, 34-yard line, whatever, he's still not giving up anything up in high school. 
Right. Not giving anything up in high school. No That's hands tough. team. That's tough. No hands team. Put the normal kickoff out there. They onside kick it. Oxford recovers. Oxford goes and scores a touchdown. Takes all the momentum back. 27-20. I don't get it. Confusion that's, right there. That's, that's we just, were definitely yeah. confusion in the stands. Uh, frustrated by that. But, Derek, I've, I've seen a lot of Hernando football games lately, and, and it's kind of like – or not lately, but for the last eight years, and that's kind of frustrating. It's a lot of times I tell you – uh, after the game, 20, hindsight being 2020, man, it just felt like the game was there and some different play calls or different situations put them right into an opportunity to lose versus an opportunity to win. Right. No, I, 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 I mean, hate to hear that. And, you know, just – that's a no-brainer. That's coaching one-on-one right there. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate when you know you see that and, and you can see it. But you know, with the coaches in the game, players in the game, they start panicking or they get used to it, or you know, the, the boys gather up, they love and go out there. That always go out there and you just you know, you maybe need to take a timeout, kind of assess the situation. What we're looking at. Uh, I hate to hear that. I do also want to apologize. I said Henry Simon for a TD. It was actually Henry Smith. Henry Smith for Hernando had the other uh, touchdown from Zach Wilkie. Now look, let me just go. Be like I said, I was in the stands. My daughter goes to Hernando High School. Love the Hernando Tigers. Uh, certainly enjoy covering them. Uh, know some of the players personally, uh, and wish them nothing but the best. But again, I, I continue to see different things. I was at the Horn Lake game. Uh, same type thing. It's a momentum issue. These kids are. 14 to 18 year old kids uh, waves of momentum are real waves of momentum putting kids in a position to succeed versus seeming to set things up in motion I mean let's keep it real Oxford was supposed to beat Hernando by 30 points they didn't congratulations to Hernando for hanging with them being ahead of them all those type things Oxford we'll talk about it here in a few minutes Derek I don't see Oxford being a 6A champion with that level of quarterback play yeah, that but one, of their, again, one of their main quarterbacks was not a very good player. His 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 outs, fifteen yard outs that you you know that a, a state champion quarterback should be able to make or play. Mm-hmm. Pop gun. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're waiting on pick sixes. Mm-hmm. A team like Oak Grove or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's going the other way. Yeah. you know, and and that's I don't see that a six A state champion football team typically doesn't rotate quarterbacks every third series. Very true. You very follow true. me exactly. When, when, uh, you know, if you have two quarterbacks, means you have none. I don't see Oxford. I, I've talked about him for weeks. Now that I've seen him in person, I'm going to go the other way. But Hernando, hard fault. Congratulations for fighting hard. But you know, when it's all said and done, uh, I think some calls could have been a, di- uh, a bit different. And I'll say this: the refereeing, the officiating. And her- let me tell you two things. I saw. From across the field, Hernando was a yard past the sticks, and they didn't give him a first down. And they didn't even measure it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, high school, um, refereeing, high school. Pathetic. You know, officiating, we could spend three hours sure we could. on just, just – I've seen examples this year. Right. I could probably take at least a good hour. Right. So it's just it's always lacking. Kind of makes you want. Kind of yeah. makes you want to do it yourself. Kind of right. makes you want to say, hey, <laughs> what, kind, what kind of class do I need to take to get out there on Friday night once my kid graduates? You know, to see what can be done about this because right. it's it's horrendous. There were certain times in the momentum and stuff. We, what, what's the rule when it comes to officiating? Officiation officiating should not be the topic after a game. Right. Good, bad, and different, whatever. And there were times Hernando, um, like one time Hernando made a tackle for a loss, would have gotten the ball back, or would have turned on downs. Incidental face mask. Not saying it didn't happen. I. I can't tell you the last time I saw an incidental face mask. You know what I'm saying? I thought that was I thought it was either 15 right. or none. Right? No, it wasn't. So they, you know, that type of stuff and everything. So between the officiating, between some play, some position stuff, we're spending a lot of time on Hernando. I'm sorry, but but the officiating is brutal. So I can't imagine how it gets into the playoffs. I mean, when people are really when it when it starts to really get heated up, you know, the, the referees probably clam up as as much as anybody. Yeah, we'll go we'll go through playoff scenarios here sure. at the uh, end of the sports. Uh, next, we have Center Hill. No game this week. Uh, they're still unfortunately and quarantine for their 15 days. It does look like they will be able to play the last game next week. I think the ruling has been made that they will be able to play West Point for their final game next week. We will preview that game on Friday. So that's good news. They still have a chance to um, possibly make the playoffs even with two forfeited losses. And so we'll discuss that on Friday. Uh, the next, of course, we're working uh, as we do uh, every week, east to west, 
Matt Lewisburg at Olive Branch. Yeah, Derek, Lewisburg started out the season pretty well, and, man, they've just fallen apart. Uh, Lewisburg traveled to Olive Branch on Friday night, uh, 28-14 uh, win for the Conquistadors. Olive Branch uh, had lost four games in a row, but put it together on Friday night to beat the Patriots 28-14, to uh, get to a 5-4 and record on the season. Pretty sure Olive Branch is not going to be able to make it make the playoffs. That's not a mathematically uh, way. But Olive Branch does have an opportunity next week, again, we'll talk about it in just a second, to possibly uh, really upset Hernando, offset that cart towards the playoffs. So Olive Branch hosts Hernando this, com- um, yeah, this coming Friday, which we'll talk about. But Lewisburg, 3-7 and on the season, 0-6 in district. The wheels kind of came out there. They did, and we want to celebrate a couple of kids on Olive Branch's team. Uh, Trey and Oliver, 44-yard touchdown pass with 144 left from the quarterback Walton in the first half. And then Walton also scored from 76 yards and from two yards out for the Keister. So Walton accounted uh, uh, for three of the uh, four touchdowns for Olive Branch. Lewisburg did have Blake Snee- uh, Speed, did get in the end zone. Uh, he did score from seven yards out. And Jason Hoffman had the other uh, touchdown for Lewisburg. So, again, great job, fellas, playing hard. And I know it's hard to keep your head up, especially when you know there's not much to play for in the postseason. But y'all both have one game next week and looking forward to previewing those on Friday. Like you said last Friday or Tuesday, Derek, hey, you're getting to play football. That's right. I mean, we're getting to play football. Yeah, you're going to so finish just, the season, and it looks like going to get you 10 games. Yeah, nine times, nine teams out of 10 are going to be going home next Friday and, and their seasons be done. But, again, just – you know, you're getting to play football. Coming a little bit further west, D.C. at South Haven. I'm uh, Just a massive robbery, I'm sure. D.C. traveled to South Haven. D.C. came in with a 2-6 and six record on the season, a 2-6 and six record on the season. They go to South Haven. South Haven gets it done. Seems to uh, probably hit a 3-RBI double in the in the seventh to win 9-7. to seven. Well, it was actually a safety <laughs> in the third quarter. Oh, so, exactly. Safety in the third quarter, no go. scoring after that. Man, can you imagine that that football game? That was not very, that was not a lot of fun offensive-wise in the second half. 7-7 seven, seven at halftime, a safety in the third quarter, and it ends that way 9-7, to seven, Chargers over the Jaguars. Yes, I mean, again, a good hard-fought game. Uh, in South Haven, they were fighting for the Otis McCord Trophy. Okay, this is the what they have. You know, obviously it's the the two South Haven teams fighting for the Otis McCord Trophy. Congratulations for the Chargers from bringing it home this year. We might do a little investigate on who Otis McCord is and be our fact of the week for Desoto. <laughs> That'll be yeah. just I a like thought. It. Just a thought. And the fact of the week, of course, will be pushed to Wednesday this week. It's exactly of no right. School, no, uh, yeah. No don't show forget, tomorrow. no Tuesday show. We're getting out of the way for for democracy to win on Tuesday, so we'll have a Wednesday and Friday show. Friday, of course, will be all about uh, um, football. Horn Lake travels to Tupelo. Horn Lake travels to Tupelo. Uh, Horn Lake came in with a four and one district record, a four and three record on the season. Go over to Tupelo to play on the blue turf, Derek, and Tupelo remained hot. Five wins in a row now, beating Horn Lake thirty-four to thirteen to run their season record to six and three, five and one in district. And folks are UTW podcast listeners. What that sets up is Oxford and Tupelo playing for the district championship this coming week. Oxford and Tupelo will play for the district title this week with the winner being the winner of the district or region. That's right. It's going to be a heck of a ball game. I'm assuming it's in Oxford since they kind of start to they kind of rotate home away home away it seems like that's right i'm assuming so man what a big game tupelo coming to oxford uh this coming friday night but again horn lake anything on those stats Derek? we do we have horn lake of course they had two touchdowns the first one came from levante hughes on a 16 yard run uh that was the first play from scrimmage to start the second half and then quarterback trenton condor scored from five yards away with a minute 30 left in the game so kind of a late touchdown there uh, for the Eagles to make, bring it a little bit closer but again Tupelo playing really well right now I just rattled off what 
four or five wins in five a row? Five wins. They started out one and three. Yep. Lost, oh, lost one and Their last were, loss was to Hernando. To Hernando. Started off 0-1 in the district and, you know, as you said, has rattled off five straight. So great for the uh, Golden Wave and really looking forward to, you know, just kind of talking about that game after the fact a uh, week from tomorrow. Well, you and I talk about coaching a lot off air and even some on air. I mean, obviously a few minutes ago, busy about coaching. I can uh, I, I know the Tupelo coach, when they lost to Hernando, the Tupelo coach said, quote, I'm embarrassed. And they've won every game since. Yeah, well, if I can remember, that was the first time Hernando had ever beaten Tupelo. Exactly. And that's a, that's a, and I believe Tupelo may have a first-year coach, definitely a younger coach. So, you know, look, Tupelo, Oxford, uh, big members of our region. Maybe want to talk about that in just a second, Derek. We can, we can, uh, we can touch on that. We can touch on that in just a minute. Tupelo and Oxford are in the region with all of the Soda County teams for now. I'll say that. Last public school game on the far west side of the county. Lake Comorant traveled to Saltillo. They traveled to Saltillo. Uh, Lake Comorant probably could have sent their JV squad on this one. Lake Comorant took their team down to Saltillo, Mississippi for a 30-6 to domination of Saltillo. 30-6, to I guarantee it wasn't even that close. Derek, any stats? Yeah, the Gators have won four of the last five games. Of course, the only loss being a two-point two loss to Grenada. So, again, playing really well, really fighting for that playoff spot. A couple of the, the scores, we had uh, Telvin Amos excuse me, scored on a 14-yard touchdown run in the third quarter. Bryson Davis tackle in the end zone, uh, the, the running back in the end zone, provided uh, safety. Uh, Roditrick Harris intercepted a pick six, 100-yard pick six. Oh, wow. So, picked it off in the end zone, returned it 100 yards. And then J- Jaden Gray ran one in for a touchdown for the Gators. So, just, again, an all-around defense and offense coming to play. Really, obviously, the defense also showed up strong, keeping Sotelo only six points. Sotelo just not a good team. Unfortunately, Center Hill was not able to play them to get what looks like an automatic win for a uh, 5A team this year. Again, congratulations to the Gators, and we'll, again, talk about their playoff uh, chances here in just a moment. Basically, a 100-yard pick six in high school probably would have gotten back to the 30 against with D.K. Metcalf. He would have tracked the kid. I'm going to say 50. I'm going to say 50. <laughs> you made it to the 50? Oh, he would have hawked that kid. Yeah. No, I'm just I'm talking about the other size thirty, like this thirty. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, in yeah. high school, I thought you meant you were going seventy yards. Yeah. You're saying that would have made it thirty yards. Yeah, right? I'm yeah. picturing a, a high school hundred yard pick six is probably pretty slow. I'm just Ooh. saying. I mean, yeah. no offense. I'm just saying. Lake Comrade, good luck, guys. Our, our continued success, six and two on the season, four and two record. Uh, Want to wish you guys good luck next week. Uh, got some playoff things that we'll talk about a ton on Friday. So tune into the show. The Friday show will be a lot about football and local success for the Soda County teams. Derek, two things. We're going to wrap up the public school side of everything before we talk about a big announcement for North Point Christian School. Congratulations to them. Tell us a little bit about the playoff implications this coming Friday for the north side or north part of uh, Mississippi in the 6A ranks. Okay, so again, we'll preview all this again on Friday. You'll hear this twice, but I want to make sure that you understand kind of what Guys, if you're listening, what you're fighting for, and then also for our uh, for the fans of each team. Hernando playing Olive Branch, you win, you're in. There may be a chance that you you can lose and also make it, but again, take care of your own destiny, win, and you're in. The winner of the DeSoto Central South Haven game is in. So again, win and you're in, lose and you go home. South Haven three and three in district right now. Horn Lake four and two. You know, so if Horn Lake wins, they're five and two, they're in. If South Haven wins, they're four and three, tied with Horn Lake at four and three with a tiebreaker. South Haven's in. So it would be a a massive comeback by the Chargers, who had had to forfeit two games. Uh, South Haven could easily be four and two, five and one right now, already submitting their place in the playoff, but still have a chance to make it. You win, uh, Chargers, and you're in. Uh, and then uh, Lake Cormorant. 
if you win this weekend against Lafayette, they're hosting Lafayette. If they win, they're in. So, again, a lot of teams uh, in DeSoto County start paying attention, uh, listeners, uh, to what's going on on Friday night. Try and get out and see a game if you can. Support these young people uh, out there fighting. Represent DeSoto County for sure. A lot of these teams, if they go into the playoffs, uh, will have to travel, and they'll take the DeSoto County flag uh, with them to you know a number of different places all across North Mississippi. So good luck to these young men. Certainly enjoyed talking about them uh, this this entire, what, 10, 11 weeks now mm-hmm. that we've talked about high school football. You know, want to wish all the coaches and all the players good luck for this weekend. And like Derek said a few minutes ago, if you win, you're in. You don't want to rely on somebody else losing or whatever for you. Just go out there, fight hard, uh, get the victory, and I'm going to tell you, Friday night will seem pretty darn good. Yeah, one, one of them I want to check on. Uh, not sure about the implications for Center Hill yet. With the forfeits, they do have three losses, but they could be a potential five and three. So not sure. I'll have to look at that, and we'll have that answer to you by Friday. Uh, and also, I want to remind you know, kind of Matt just teased it a few minutes ago. Last year with Oxford and Tupelo being in this district, uh, this is the last year. So you know, they may they may finish. It looks like they will finish one two in the district, but this is the last year. So again, DeSoto County teams, they will be moving out. You'll be picking up. Center Hill will be moving up, and South Panola will be coming back. So I'm not saying that you know you don't like to see the two top teams leave your district, prefer them being DeSoto County teams, but we look forward to that next year. So, again, just one last chance, one last run with these teams uh, in our district, in our region. And let's, uh, But, uh, again, good luck to everybody, and we'll talk about it again on Friday. What a good setup for rivalries, too, because you have district – I'm sorry, you have county rivalries. Now you have county mixed in with district rivalries or region rivalries. That's just an awesome situation. Well, we're, we're one school away. Yeah, we're headed well, towards – Lake we're Lake Cormorant yes. getting just a few couple hundred more students yeah. and ha- having the entire region be in DeSoto County. Right, exactly. So, I mean, your farthest trip in district will now be down ba- down 55 to Batesville. That's right. I mean, that's a pretty neat district, though, right there to, to be involved in. The, the county sports will be really cool. So, again, Oxford and Tupelo next year will be in a different region. We'll, we'll be adding in, or the 618s will be adding in Center Hill and, ba- uh, and South Panola. So, just really big news there. So, that wraps up the public school ranks. Uh, Derek, I'll go ahead and make a big announcement for the North Point Trojans. We talk about them all the time here on the show, obviously. Uh, Derek's son plays for North Point. Two years ago, Derek, North Point was 0-10. That's correct. And this year they are 4-4 and and hosting a playoff game against the Battleground Academy out of Nashville or Franklin, Tennessee, coming to South Haven this coming Friday night with a 4-4 four and four record. Battleground Academy, Derek, now you told me is a, the most expensive tuition school maybe in the state of Tennessee. They are 26000 a year. $26,000, yes. $26,000 a year. I'm just going to go out there. I mean, I know they're advertised with us, but North Point is not $26,000 a year. No, no. Yeah. And, uh, again, the most affordable school in the Memphis area. <laughs> most affordable, cool. full private school in the Memphis area. Yes. Exactly. No, not, not anywhere close. Close to $26, not twenty six thousand dollars. Now, if you have to drive up and down Get Well all the time, or go and coach their cross country team, you wish you were getting paid twenty six thousand dollars. But <laughs> nah, anyway, I enjoy doing that. <laughs> but look, Battleground Academy four and four. We're going to break them down on Friday. Um, but if you can hear our voice uh, and and trying to look for a game to go see on Friday night, yeah, playoff football will be happen- happening in Desoto County right there. Get Well and Goodman this coming Friday night. North Point Trojans. Good luck to you. Congratulations on the hard fought uh, season. A lot of different things had to happen this past. Friday night that did happen um, and I will say this to you guys if any of y'all listen to heck with what all the adults tried to do or maybe even take from you uh, go out there and play the game and win this game and move on no let's well, prove that you you, know, you deserve to be there absolutely you know, obviously we're pulling for you uh, they have the North Point is out today on a teacher 
I guess, in service. Right, sure. And so, but they do have practice. I think, I believe, starting at three o'clock today. So again, fellas, just, you know, get your head on. It's playoff time. You got got to win to advance. You yeah, got to win to keep going. And again, looking forward to this week for them, and then uh, of course next week for the public schools. Just a great, great time of year, and just so excited that we're able to talk about it. A little bit about what I'm referring to is some different things: winners, losers, who did this, who did that in the uh, North Point uh, district or region that they play in. One team had to forfeit, or yeah, had to forfeit because of the coronavirus. Did a little bit of kicking and screaming about the standings kicking and screaming about how things maybe should go go down uh but it's quite funny how you know in 2020 this is the way it is no this is the way it is you took the loss for because of coronavirus you chose to do certain things the way you did them it is what it is north point you're hosting battleground academy this friday night so i want to wish the trojans good luck so try and get out there if you can enjoy some playoff football yeah, and, and please be looking if you are interested, even whether you go to North Point or not, uh, look for the uh, North Point on their social media pages. Those tickets will go on sale today. Tickets will be uh, online only, so it'll be kind of like when you scan it on your phone. That's how they're doing the tickets this year, to do the TSSAA. And so, again, just looking for a great crowd. It looks like it's going to be a beautiful week. It uh, should be a beautiful night, Friday night, to get this stuff started. Cool fall evening. Uh, go Trojans. Parents, if you like what you're hearing about us talking about North Point, South Haven, Olive Branch, Oxford, Tupelo, doesn't matter. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe, especially to our, our podcast. Uh, subscribe to, to us. We talk to Soda County Sports just about twice a week. So that's main, our main topic that we talk about on Fridays for sure during football season. But if you like what you're hearing, find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast. That's UTW Podcast on Facebook. On Instagram at UTW Podcast on Instagram, UTW Podcast, and on Twitter, UTW Pod. That's UTW Pod on Twitter. And again, most importantly, please hit subscribe on your uh, podcast provider that you hear our voices on uh, each and every week. Uh, this week will be Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then we'll be back to a Tuesday-Friday schedule next week. But Monday, Wednesday, and Friday this week, uh, we'll be back to the uh, regular schedule next week. Yeah, so Wednesday we'll be covering the, the Southern County Fact of the Week. We'll also be looking just briefly at the local elections. Uh, we're not really going to yeah, t- touch on the national Wednesday. election. We might not even know who the national elections are. <laughs> uh, but uh, be a short show on Wednesday, but we will get the fact of the week in there. Uh, and then also we will also preview uh, just real briefly on Wednesday the Alderman meetings that are taking place. Uh, and then we'll actually cover those more. Unless there's some big news coming out of the Alderman meeting Tuesday night, either from South Haven or, Horn, uh, or Hernando, we're going to postpone that talk until Friday along with all the playoff talk. Thank you for all our listeners and continued support us and again if you're interested in advertising on the utw podcast reach out to us at under the water tower info at gmail.com that's under the water tower info at gmail.com Derek, we've got some cool stuff coming out in the next uh, two to three weeks regarding merchandise maybe some big announcements with the desoto county museum uh, regarding some stuff that we do with them opportunity to fundraise but an opportunity to get more uh, involvement with the podcast and stuff so we certainly thank the subscribers that we do have and our continued growth there people stop me over and over all weekend long we had people talking uh trick-or-treaters even coming up and talk not them but their parents maybe visiting with us about stuff on the podcast so we appreciate y'all supporting us and good luck to the high school football games this coming friday we'll do that again anything else that's all i got get out vote tomorrow everybody and again if you are a business owner give your people time to vote i'm matt and i'm Derek. join us next time under the water tower